Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? It is time for the tech news for Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. Here in the United States, the FBI is investigating a pair of what it calls intentional attacks on electrical substations in North Carolina. So over the weekend, someone caused damage to these two substations, and they knocked out power to around 45,000 people. That's more than half the population of Moore County where the attacks occurred. The act has brought increased attention to the United States' vulnerable power grid, something that lots of folks have been calling out for quite some time. In the past, the Wall Street Journal published pieces that cited unnamed U.S. security officials who said that Russian and Chinese hackers, possibly acting with state backing, that is, the government's funding these hacking groups, had injected malware into the U.S. power grid system. Uh, That's an accusation that China said was completely baseless. But in this particular case, the attacks were physical rather than computerized. 
and it highlights the fact that many electrical substations are located in remote areas with limited protection. These attacks came about a week after the Department of Homeland Security reissued a warning that power grid infrastructure could be a tempting target for domestic extremists. So that's about all we know right now. I'm sure I will follow up on this story as more information becomes available. Late last week, Meta published a policy paper that argues against lawmakers regulating the metaverse. So the paper lays out a case that says laws already in existence will apply to the metaverse, meaning there's not really any need to draft new legislation specifically regarding the metaverse because that kind of regulation could potentially inhibit innovation. And this is a pretty standard argument we see from companies that any attempts to regulate an industry will reduce innovation and inhibit development. We've heard it in the cable industry. We've heard it in software. We've heard it pretty much everywhere. And from a certain perspective, you can understand that, right? Particularly in a world where the government's understanding of technology, specifically the U.S. government in this case, tends to lag well behind the technology itself. So then you end up with laws that are often drafted on misconceptions, misunderstandings, that kind of thing, and things get messy. But on the other hand, we've also seen countless examples of big tech companies enacting policies that were, at times, at least harmful to users, either directly or indirectly. And there's definitely no reason to believe that things will be any different with the development of the metaverse. Of course, you could argue that regulating the metaverse right now would be premature anyway because we're years away from anything we would call an actual metaverse implementation. And there are a lot of people, including myself, who question if folks will really participate in the metaverse to an appreciable extent. But then there's the problem that development of the metaverse is going to happen gradually. There'll be a lot of little steps. It might be one of those things where only in retrospect will we say, ah, this is what I would point to as the birth of the metaverse. And at the time, it may be harder to see. And if laws lag behind, we could have a lot of problems until the law finally catches up. So this is a complicated issue. I will say that Meta clearly has a vested interest in being able to pursue the company's vision of what the metaverse will be with as few limitations as possible. So it's not like it's coming from this from an, a, an objective background. And certainly investors don't want to see more obstacles put in the way because Meta is already spending billions of dollars each year trying to develop this thing that won't manifest for several more years. So, yeah, complicated issue. In other Meta political news, the company is threatening to remove news from Facebook should a piece of legislation make it through U.S. Congress. Now, this is very similar to a situation that happened in Australia last year. So at the heart of the matter is the fact that news outlets want a share of Facebook's revenue that is generated from users engaging with the outlet's content on Facebook. And the law would make it easier for these various forms of news media to negotiate collectively with companies like Google and Meta. Meta does not like that idea one bit and has essentially said, hey, if you let these companies negotiate collectively, we're just going to remove news articles from Facebook. News will not be allowed on Facebook anymore. Andy Stone, spokesperson for Meta, says that the company provides a valuable tool for news outlets because they get benefits and added traffic and subscriptions from Facebook users. But the News Media Alliance argues that some publishers, 
such as local newspapers, are having their content posted to Meta, and they're not receiving any revenue in return, and that's driving more and more of these smaller companies out of business. Now, as I mentioned, last year we saw a similar situation in Australia, and there too Facebook threatened to pull all news feeds, and for a while it did shut down news feeds to Facebook. But since then, things have entered into a more stable environment with media outlets able to negotiate with Meta, so I guess the world didn't come to an end after all. A subset of recently laid-off Meta employees say they're not getting the severance package that they had been promised. These employees were part of what is called the Sourcer Development Program. So this hires on employees, typically employees from what they, the company calls diverse backgrounds, for a short term, it's like a 12-year term, with the potential of moving into a career position at the company by the end of the apprenticeship. So they are not contract employees. They are instead short-term employees who receive the same sort of benefits as a full-time employee would. It's just that their continued employment isn't guaranteed at the conclusion of that 12-month program. Anyway, people in the program were among the 11,000 recently laid off at Meta, and they believe that they are entitled to the same severance package as full-time employees are, since otherwise they get the exact same benefits as full-time employees. But they say instead they're receiving much less. Instead of 16 weeks of base pay and health care for six months, they say they're receiving eight weeks of base pay and three months of COBRA. The group has sent a letter to Meta executives, and I have to say it's a very polite letter. It suggests that maybe this was just like a clerical error instead of something that was being done on purpose. Back in March, I had a representative from Meta's Oversight Board join the show to talk about what that group does. And one thing it does is issue recommendations on how Meta can draft and enforce policies in a responsible, accountable, and equitable way. And this week, the Oversight Board is recommending that Meta overhaul its policy regarding VIP accounts on Facebook and Instagram. Because Meta seems to follow a kind of George Orwell animal farm approach. You know, all accounts are equal, but some accounts are more equal than others. So what I'm saying is that Meta treats accounts that belong to important people or important businesses differently than the accounts that belong to the rest of us. These important accounts are given a lot more leeway. They can bend or break Meta's rules without Meta responding to the situation. And yeah, that is inherently unfair. It actually has an official name within Meta. The policy is called cross-check. If someone is thought to be of commercial value to Meta, that being their presence on Meta drives revenue to the company, they get a longer leash than the average user does. The Oversight Board recommends that Meta change this to make the program more equitable and transparent. The board actually made 32 recommendations in total. Now here's the thing. Meta is in no way required to adopt any or all of those recommendations. They can ignore every single one if they want. They, they have no obligations to take on these recommendations. However, they are obligated to make a formal response to these recommendations within 60 days, although Meta has already asked for and received an extension, so it'll be 90 days in this case. I am not holding my breath that we're going to see any massive changes, even though this policy is a real bad look for the company. The Communication Workers of America, or CMA, say that Microsoft has chosen to recognize, voluntarily, 
a union of around 300 video game testers with ZeniMax Studios. Uh, that's the parent company of Bethesda, among other companies. Bethesda is responsible for the Fallout and Elder Scrolls video game series, you know, Skyrim. Anyway, when employees vote to unionize, companies can either recognize the union and thus begin to work together on things like employee negotiations and such, or companies might resist until some larger authority, like the U.S. National Labor Relations Board, gets involved. And while Microsoft is currently engaged in acquiring Activision Blizzard, which is a company that has resisted employee attempts to organize multiple times in the past, Microsoft has gone a different route in this case. I find it a little surprising because Microsoft is also a company that, at least traditionally, has not been super keen on employee organization efforts. But this is good news for testers at ZeniMax Studios. Okay, we've got some more news to go through. Before we get to that, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. The Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, or TSMC, has long been a major player in the semiconductor fabrication industry, but political pressures have an impact on the company's business, with the U.S. imposing sanctions against China that sometimes also affect Taiwan. TSMC has been building a fabrication facility here in the United States. It's not yet open. It's still being built out. But now Nikkei Asia reports that 
Companies like Apple and NVIDIA have already signed up to be customers to buy chips produced from this facility. Moving more semiconductor fabrication to the U.S. has been a big priority for the Biden administration, and many have pointed to an increased domestic production as a huge step toward ensuring national security and productivity. Business Insider reports that Amazon is launching an ad verification program as part of its shopper panel. That is Amazon's invitation-only panel of Amazon customers who, in return for sharing information about themselves and their purchases, receive small incentives, uh, typically around 10 bucks a month, for their participation. The new ad verification element will invite shop panel members to earn two additional bucks per month, and in return, the users consent to Amazon monitoring their traffic data to see stuff like what time of day they're browsing the web, how much time they're spending there, what ads are they seeing, where did they see them. Uh, the program covers not just Amazon's ads, but also third-party ads. And personally, I think privacy is worth more than two or even 12 bucks a month, but it's up to each person in the program to decide whether or not it's worthwhile. Uh, I think there are some privacy concerns that folks should take into account before they make any sort of decision. Wired's James Jackson has a great article. It is titled, Tesla's Berlin Hub Can't Hire Enough People or Keep Them. It's a great read, uh, but I want to give you some key points that are made in the article. One is that Tesla's reputation in Germany, at least among engineers and workers, isn't exactly stellar. The piece explains that Tesla's compensation packages are below the industry standard in Germany and that lots of employees will leave Tesla in order to go work somewhere else that has better compensation and benefits. There's also a general shortage of talent in the auto industry in Germany, and there's no shortage of job openings. So it's difficult for pretty much anyone to reach a fully staffed status, let alone a company that is getting a reputation for not compensating its employees as well as others in the area. Making matters more difficult is that Tesla's facility requirement that employees be fluent in German because this discourages otherwise qualified individuals from other parts of Europe, namely Poland, from seeking employment there. Former employees also say that they experience sudden and dramatic changes to their job descriptions, requiring them to put in more hours at different times of the day throughout the week, and such changes were overly disruptive. And it kind of sounds like this Tesla facility is experiencing issues very similar to other Elon Musk operations. And this is one place where that kind of thing really just isn't going over very well. Recently, I covered how Neuralink, another Elon Musk company, was aiming to implant a brain-computer interface, or BCI, into a human brain within the next six months. Now, the U.S. government is investigating Neuralink for animal wel welfare violations. Uh, some employees have indicated that, at least in some cases, rushed tests have resulted in needless animal suffering and death. That while animal testing may be a necessary step to develop BCI chips to make them safe for humans, the pressure to carry out tests quickly has led to mistakes. And those mistakes have had cruel effects on animal test subjects, and it also necessitates that those tests have to be then repeated, because a mistake means you can't rely upon any data that was generated by the test, so you gotta scrap it and do it again, which inflicts more uh, harm on animals. So Reuters reports that the company has killed around 1,500 animals since 2018, which includes like monkeys and pigs and sheep. 
But Reuters also says that's merely an estimate because Neuralink doesn't actually document the number of animals that are killed in tests. Finally, the U.S. Secret Service says that hackers, potentially with the backing of the Chinese government, stole at least $20 million intended for COVID relief benefits. A hacker group called APT41 is responsible. It's a known hacker group with ties to the Chinese government. And it effectively took U.S. taxpayer dollars that were intended to help people who were impacted by COVID in the United States, particularly those who became unemployed. And it's possible that this problem extends well beyond APT41 and that foreign-backed pandemic fraud operations could be pretty darn common. The Secret Service has only gone so far as to say it is pursuing more than 1,000 ongoing investigations relating to fraud and public benefits programs. So that's not specifically COVID. That could be lots of other stuff. But it just shows that this is a, a, a wide-ranging issue. It actually sounds like the fraud might not have been too hard to pull off. According to the Labor Department Office of Inspector General, four states in the United States, remember we got 50 of them, four states saw more than 40% of pandemic benefits paid out improperly. Like, at that point, you're getting pretty close to a coin flip situation as to whether or not the tax money is actually going to the people who need it or not. And that is unthinkable. It's a really bad situation because the U.S. employs a mishmash of different computer systems. And having one computer system compromised can be enough to cause massive problems because you do still have some interconnectivity between different systems throughout the United States. And the solution typically is, well, you kind of got to take everything down and rebuild it with a new system, which is a huge undertaking. Not only that, but you have to get approval and funding. It's just the sort of thing that is not likely to happen because it is such a huge uh, job to do, right? You got a lot of inertia built up in existing systems. And so uh, it's not likely that state and federal governments are going to be able to do that. And meanwhile, we know that many of these systems have been compromised. So it is a really bad situation. Okay, well, that's it for the news for Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. I'll be back later this week to give a new news update. Hopefully there'll be some fun, good news in there because, you know, I don't like being all doom and gloom either. I just I report on what's breaking. That's kind of, it's it's up to the world to be a little bit of a, a better place, I guess. But yeah, we're going to look for some good news for later this week. Anyway, if you have any suggestions for topics for Tech Stuff, remember I'm doing an end-of-the-year wrap-up pretty soon. If you got any suggestions for stories I should make sure I include in my wrap-up, let me know. One way to do that is to download the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download and use. Navigate over to Tech Stuff. Just put Tech Stuff in the search field. You'll pop on over there. You'll see that there's this little microphone icon. If you click on that, you can leave a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. Let me know that way. If you would prefer not to do that, you can also get in touch with me via Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, sleep tight stories.